Ian Wright, would you uh, win the league or keep Bukayo Saka? There's nothing that's going to make me give up Bukayo Saka. Hi everyone, how you doing? I'm Ian Wright and I want to tell you about Wright's House, my podcast on The Ringer. Twice a week I'm joined by a rotating panel of guests to talk about football, films, life and even cars. The film. <laughs> we give out flowers, we break down goals and sometimes we talk about some serious topics around football and other sports. Come join us twice a week. Search for Writer's House on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Take it easy. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Good, thanks, man. How are you? Very well indeed. Very well indeed. Man of leisure. Uh, In my you're not actually here. This is weird. I'm how do really we? Here. How do we know that we're, we're okay? We're recording this in the past. <laughs> oh, my, oh my god! Yeah. Wow. Uh, yes. Well, I'm okay at time of recording. That's fair to say. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Uh, we hope everyone else is staying safe and well. As we mentioned on Thursday, Musa is away this week. So yes. we're recording this in the past. We are. Isn't it strange how they used to record things back in the day? Podcast now. Podcast of future past. <laughs> Some quick admin. Mm. I will be on Wright's House with Ian talking about the weekend's football in a little bit more detail, maybe. And also we'll be talking about the Villeneuve Peroni documentary that was on... Sky last night. So if you haven't seen it, go and find it. Watch it. It's really, really good. And we'll be talking about that with Mayowa on Ratty's House. And this weekend, you and I, this weekend, this week, on Mm. Thursday, you and I have done a little fun 11. Yes. To do. We have. And then um, Carl and I will be on Ratty's House on Friday. And then you're back next week and it's all good. Yes, indeed. Other than that, don't forget to check theringer.com and check the Estadio Outro's Place on Spotify. All the tunes we play on each episode, and it's one at the top. And 
stadio.football. Scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. The newsletter is on its way. The next edition. Soon come. Any other admin? Oh, that's it. We know what time it is. What's that? It's what everyone's been waiting for, a.k.a. only me. (laughs) Because you're away, and at the time of recording, we have no idea what happened in any of the football this weekend. (laughs) It's time for the Hunter Lock. (laughs) See you on the other side. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. All right, everyone, let's do the first ever studio monologue, I think. Although you could, there's a joke there, I think, that maybe Musa and I occasionally monologue, but um, this is really weird. I'm not looking at Musa. I'm looking at, I'm looking at nobody. I'm just talking. Musa's off somewhere, obviously away this week, which is why we pre-recorded. He picked a hell of a week to go away because there were derbies, classicos, and chaos this weekend all around Europe. Um, kind of feel like I need to run some music in the background through this. So do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna run Lord of Mercy and Digo, a track called What Does It Take to Come In First? 2000black.bandcamp.com, go and buy it all. Alright, so where to begin in the first ever Hunter Log? It's a good question. But I feel like the only place to begin is actually a Villa Park. I'm not going to talk about the Premier League today. I'm going to talk about it on Wright's House because obviously there's some big stuff to talk about. Conte chaos. Good points for Southampton and Everton. And obviously Arsenal's win. They've got eight points clear. But I'll talk about that on Wright's House with Ian. That'll go up on Tuesday. I want to shout out David Brooks because he made his first return to action in 536 days after recovering from cancer. And even though it wasn't a good day for Bournemouth, losing to Villa, that was the most important thing. Seeing a guy back playing football, healthy. So just shouts to David Brooks. Great to see him back. Flo and the gang will cover Women's FA Cup on Counterpressed. And Ian and I will also do the Men's FA Cup on Wrighty's House. But let's go around Europe because El Clasico in Barcelona. Barcelona beating Real Madrid 2-1. Ronald Araujo's own goal. is the first own goal apparently in the Clasico, in a league Clasico this century. It was the first own goal for Barca in a Clasico since Pe- uh, Gerard Piquet's in 2017, which was in the Spanish Super Cup. It's the first league goal that Barcelona have conceded from open play at home all season, which is kind of wild to think. I think Rash, I think Marcus Rashford, when he scored for Manchester United against Barcelona, was the first actual goal they conceded from open play this season. But yeah, this was the first one in the league. However, Sergio Roberto equalising on half-time. Sensio thought he'd had a winner, but his shoulder was given offside. Having consulted the Stadio Dubis goals panel, we're declaring it spiritually onside. 
which uh, Carlo Ancelotti agrees with. He said after the game that uh, he thought the offside was harsh. Xavi said he didn't. But there was still time for Frank Kessie to score his first Barcelona goal, which is basically a carbon copy of the one that Ansifati blocked at another Clasico earlier on in the season. But uh, what a time to score it for Frank Kessie. Uh, a player that has maybe struggled in his first season at Barcelona compared to what we know he can do and what we saw him do at Milan. But still a great player and that's a big moment for him. Uh, overall, I thought Barcelona pretty good, despite some dangerous moments with Real. Uh, and it sees them go 12 points clear at the top of La Liga. Um, weird season in La Liga, especially when you see, you compare the European form. The European form of Real Madrid, seeing off Liverpool to go through to the Champions League. Uh, next stage is Champions League. Barcelona struggling, dropped out of the Champions League, now out of the Europa League. Hard to marry those two seasons up from domestic and European form. But anyway, let's go to Germany because there's a title race. It's official. Uh, Leverkusen beating Bayern thanks to two penalties from Palacios after Kimmich had given Bayern the lead. And they were really strange because both, both both, for both penalties, the referee actually booked Adley for simulation, went to VAR, overturned them, award the penalties. Uh, Sommer also almost saved the second one. Amazing for Leverkusen. They're now up to eighth, which considering where they were when Javi Alonso took over is amazing. They're having an amazing season. Uh, and it was... Double bad news for Bayern because Dortmund beat Köln 6-1 the day before and they were really good. 4-1 at half-time and uh, Marco Royce got his first Bundesliga... Uh, sorry, got his 150th Bundesliga goal and when they come back from the international break, it's Bayern versus Dortmund on the first match day back. A point for Dortmund would be amazing in that. If they win, they might then be favourites to win the league if they beat Bayern... Oh, have I, I've probably a load of Bundesliga people have been like Ryan why have you just said that anyway uh, let's go to Amsterdam there's another Classico uh, Ajax losing 3-2 at home to Feyenoord Feyenoord's first win in Amsterdam since 2005 and it was a really strange situation early on in this game where Hartman assists the first goal gets booked after 7 minutes and then absolutely floors Kudus after about 20 minutes and could have seen a second yellow uh, Cuts to the bench, Arna Slot's freaking out. Tells Marcos Lopez to warm up straight away. Hartman gets away with it. And as soon as Lopez is warm, subs Hartman off after 24 minutes, I think it was. Really, really weird. But Alvarez cancelling out Jimenez's early goal that gave Buck final the lead. Tadic with the other Hayek's goal before uh, Simanski equalised. And then Gertroyder won it for final right at the end, well, four or five minutes from time. And there was a really funny moment where everyone ran to David Hanko, who flicked on. So it was from a corner, Hanko flicked it on and Gertrude headed home. And I think everyone thought, everyone piled on Hanko thinking maybe it was his goal. And Gertrude kept saying, no, 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 it was me. He was like pointing to himself, pointing to himself. But anyway, um, six points clear at the top for Feyenoord. Let's go to League A, where Rans lost 2-1 at home to Marseille. Uh, Balogun scoring again after 13 minutes. It looked like there'd be a uh, one of those amazing tweets afterwards about Rans' form and Will Still and etc, etc. But an Alexis Sanchez free kick three minutes after Balogun's goal drew them level. And then Sanchez again, after about half an hour, was enough to regain second for Marseille after Lons had beaten Angers the day before. 3-0. It's 12 goals a season for Alexis Sanchez and that's as many as his previous two seasons combined at Inter. And meanwhile in Paris, PSG lost at home to Rennes for the first time in five years. 
Ren doing the double over PSG in the league this season. Uh, despite the defeat, PSG still seven points clear at the top ahead of Marseille and uh, Lons in third. We're going to wrap on Serie A because Serie A was jam-packed full of chaos and big games this weekend. Uh, first of all, it was the Derby d'Italia into losing to Juve 1-0 at San Siro. Some great interplay early on between Lukaku and Barella and could have could have taken the lead for Inter. Uh, a few minutes later, Kostic finds a really lovely goal. Left foot, bottom right hand corner. But a little bit of controversy. It was checked for handball on Rabiot and not given. Looked around the sleeve mark. Also Vlajevic handball. Looked like it nudged against his bicep. Um, to be honest, I don't know anymore with handball though. There was a handball given actually in the Udinese-Milan game, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but it's just fired off someone's knee into his arm, given a penalty. Moose and I have moaned about this on Stadio recently where the punishment doesn't fit the crime and I don't know how to fix it, how to fix it. But anyway, this obviously would have just ruled the goal out if it had been given. But uh, Juve missed a few more chances who were probably good value for the win actually. Uh, and into uh, three defeats in their last four league games now. And it was pivotal at the top because Lazio won the Rome derby in a game where the most surprising thing was that it saw three reds and none of them were Jose Mourinho and that was probably because he was already serving a suspension. Uh, the first one was for uh, Roger Ibanez, second yellow after half an hour. Matias Sakani got the only goal of the game, which turned out to be the winner for Lazio. Lovely goal into the bottom corner. Uh, Roma had, an, had the ball in the back of the net. Their equaliser was correctly ruled out for offside on Chris Smalling. Um, and that's how it finished. After the final whistle, it all kind of kicked off though. Marisic and Cristante were sent off after the final whistle. Kind of balled over into the dressing room where uh, Romanoli and Mancini were having words and the Lazio president, Claudio Lotito, stepped in to defend his player. Mourinho rocked up and apparently asks the Lazio president, what the fuck are you looking at? To which he answered, I'm the Lazio owner and you're a guest. This is my home and I go wherever I like and you can't stay here. So apparently there's an investigation pending. Maybe more trouble from Mourinho who, was, remember, was already serving a suspension for this game. And Lazio's Luis Alberto after the game said, The problem is that when you talk too much before a game as they did, you should, be, you should stay silent if you lose. They were defeated once again and they have to shut up now. It's simple. They didn't come here to play, just to provoke. We were capable enough, pulled the strings and prevailed. This is the type of game you need to win to make the leap. Lazio now second, 19 points behind Napoli, who beat Torino 4-0 away. Uh, Victor Osman with two, Kravitz with a penalty and Tangin Dombele with the other. And finally, Udinese beating Milan 3-1 uh, in a game which had a wild first half. The weird handball that I mentioned before came in this game. Jakob Beals uh, ricocheting off Jakob Beals knee into his arm. I thought it was a bit harsh. Uh, Zlatan has the penalty saved, but it was retaken because of encroachment. Um, in the meantime, Andreas Sotil was sent off and Zlatan scored the retake to become the oldest player to ever score in the Italian top fight. Uh, Beto put Udinese back in front just before half time. It was a tap in for the third and that was that for Udinese. Stefano Pioli afterwards said that Milan started badly and finished worse. There's no win in their last four and all comps for Milan. And uh, speaking of Zlatan, seeing as Moose is away and he can't do anything, maybe it's time to finally tell you the Zlatan take. So basically the Zlatan take is that Musa reckons that Zlatan is probably the... 
<laughs> so yeah, that's it. And he can't do anything to stop me. It's out there now. It's done. So enjoy. And uh, I reckon that concludes the first and probably only Hunter Log, because to be honest, let's be real, this isn't happening again. If you heard this, you wouldn't commission it again. But anyway. All right, everyone. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with some mailbag. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Do you know what's great about talking to you right now? What's that? You have no idea no what idea. just happened. <laughs> uh, uh, let's just check in with Moose and see what he thought of that. This week alone, I've been cancelled twice. <laughs> Already. Already. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, man, so um, as we mentioned today, we've got a mailbag of some stuff. Yeah. I'm going to give you the, the choice. Would you like a football question first or a non-football question first? A non-football question. Ross Wiltshire, he's coming extremely hot with this one. Let's see. Food question. Yeah. You have to eradicate mm. one of the following mm. forever. Yeah. Food in parcel form, mm. brackets, dumplings, ravioli, Greg's menu. Dim sum. Or all Italian food, excluding Italian food in parcel form. Ross, the answer to that is very, very simple. We triple down on everything. Ross, I don't know where you live, but as soon as I find out, you're going to get triple deliveries of dim sum and the finest Italian food I can think of. We triple down on everything. Absolutely. You know, like when the human body is like ill, you have to triple your dose of vitamins. That's how I feel about Italian food. But you I have to eradicate one of the following forever. That's the question. No, well, that's, I, that's, I, I, I dispute, I dispute the context of the question oh, and the root what? of it. Yes. <laughs> Ironically on the food question, he didn't buy it, everyone. <laughs> that's my answer and I'm sticking to it. Triple down. <laughs> Increase the dosage. It's a very good question, but I don't think it's one you're going to get an answer to. Well, put it this way, the question, well, that's my answer. My question, when he said to me, parcel food, my immediate thought, oh my goodness, I haven't eaten enough of that recently. Um, I haven't eaten enough dim sum, enough ravioli. Um, so yeah, triple down. Thanks, Ross, for reminding me to eat more Italian food. Poor Ross, he's just made <laughs> Musa hungry and not even got an answer to his question. 
Such is life. I mean, let's get real. There is no way that either of those are getting eradicated by us forever. Me cancelling Italian food. Good luck Hell with that. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Nearly booked a flight to Naples. <laughs> uh, let's have, uh, would you like a football question now? Yes, please. Speaking of Naples, Ryan Middleton says, do you think Napoli's gigantic lead in Serie A can be an advantage or a potential disadvantage in the Champions League? I think it's an advantage at this point. Do you know why? Because teams below them are still being quite punchy. Mm. You consider they've lost relatively recently to Inter and Lazio, who are surging. There's just enough punch in Serie A, because here's the thing, the reason why that's fallen away, the reason why um, that lead has increased is because their immediate contenders have struggled, but there's, it's quite a punchy league. You consider that Milan and Salernitana just drew recently. There's a lot of heft, and also you've got teams like Monza with big resources threatening. So actually, I think that Napoli have got the perfect amount of gap, because I think they haven't won the league for a long time either. Mm. Title race was too close. That could have a valuable attention. But this way, they've got their cake and eating it. Because there's also, don't forget, there's a lot of squad players they can afford to rotate in and out who need to get match ready for Champions League. So I think actually in this specific case, like if Napoli had won the league last year, my answer would be different because they haven't won for ages. They're going to need that margin for error because they might drop some points in the running because of, I don't know, just fear, anxiety, haven't won the league in a while. So they've got a bit of, bit of time to play with. So yeah, that's my answer. What do you think? I agree. I think it's really, I think it's great for them actually. That margin, eh? Yeah. Because it just gives them such a cushion that they can rotate players in key positions whenever they need to. They don't have to worry about top of the table clashes that last season, they didn't, um, there were a couple of wobbles, let's yeah, say. definitely, definitely. Um, and I feel that if they could have the ability to just not worry about those games, I mean, they have so many points available to them that they can drop for the rest of the season. Yeah, exactly. But also, they don't look like they're really going to take their foot off the pedal. Right. And to be honest, if I do have one criticism of Napoli, they're slightly, um, they could maybe rotate slightly better. Mm. I mean, obviously they gave uh, Simeon Raspadori big minutes, but that was because uh, Osim was injured. Mm. And I know it's, it's a weird one, Spalletti, because for him, he wants to close up the Serie A title. It's, it's almost personal for him. But this big gap they've got allows him maybe to ease up slightly um, and relax into it. But yeah, great question. Love that. A question from David Evanshow, mm. who says, non-football, but after the brief Andor discussion in November mm. and the Mando talk on Writer's House earlier this month, can we get five minutes on what Musa and Ryan are watching on TV? And there was also a follow-up question. Well, not a follow-up, but something similar. Ravinda Clare says, since Ryan didn't want to get into it, <laughs> honest thoughts on The Last of Us. So what have you been watching on TV? I mean, the, I've, I've finished The Last of Us this week. It's amazing, right? Everyone's going raving about it. It's brilliant. Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal give unbelievable performances. I think it's... Uh, there'll be no spoilers in this, by the way. How many episodes um, is it in total? Nine. Nine, nine in total. That's, that's manageable. I think, I've, I think I've watched three of them. Yeah. I've certainly watched four of the nine. I mean, episode three is still in my mind. One of the all-time greats. So. One of the all-time great episodes of TV, uh, in my opinion. And mm. I feel like they've just paced it really well. They've just mm. paced it really, really well. And I think that's exactly what you would expect from something from something that Craig Mazin has done. Mm. Um, and obviously Neil Druckmann being involved in it as well. 
who, um, you know, is the creator of of The Last of Us. So it's got a real, a real authentic, not authentic, but um, yeah, I feel like I felt like there's a willingness that it seems like a willingness there to to only really deal with what he wanted to be dealt with through the, mm. the, the games and maybe explore a little bit more as well. So I, th- I think it's incredible. There's a lot of similarities with the game, which I love. And I think they've done those bits really well. And the bits that they've, where they've stepped outside of the game, I think they've done really well on as well. Wonderful. Great. Yeah. What else have you been watching on TV? Oh, well, actually I have very strange viewing habits. So I watch a lot of basketball podcasts. Um, so not much TV actually. Uh, but I also do rewatch, I rewatch movies as well. So I haven't been watching much new stuff. I did rewatch Arrival quite recently. Uh, Amy Adams in that astonishing movie. And it's interesting because when you rewatch stuff, there's, I went through a stage of watching really slow movies and loving them, like The Irishman, which I love. I rewatched Arrival in a time when I was loving really, really slow movies, mm. sci-fi, like Annihilation, and actually didn't enjoy it as much this time because I think there's something in the nature of the surrounding world that I need to watch faster things. Mm. And that's not a reflection on Arrival, which is a stunning film. It's just that I think whatever I watch next, it needs to be quick. Um, but Arrival is extraordinary. Um, it's an incredible uh, hymn to humanity, courage, bravery. So I recommend anyone watch that who hasn't already. But yeah, I'm having a bit of a rewatch at the moment. How about yourself? Apart from Last um, of Us. What have I been watching? Oh, I, I did series two of The White Lotus because I kind of missed it when, it when it was rolling out live. And I don't know, have you seen The White Lotus? No, no. I, I struggle. I'm, I'm a bit of a weird one. Do you know what it is? Mm. When a show is really, really hyped, mm. I generally don't watch it. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. It wasn't my favourite thing that I've seen. I've been watching The Mandalorian as well. Sorry, I should have said oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mandalorian's back. I've been uh, it, that. It's back. Its powers are somewhat diminished I think and i tell you why I say this and this is not this is not to sort of spoil things if you consider the emotional high that it ended on not just a sort of in terms of the storyline I thought was well written the craft and the, the drama and the emotional high the nostalgia high of seeing Luke Skywalker it was very difficult to begin the new series the new season with something that not topped that but just gave it the breadth and I, mm. I almost feel like they are not finding their feet or finding their way, but I feel they've lost a certain amount of intensity. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit, do you know what it's like, actually? It's um, when you see a team, actually, it's a f- football analogy. When Per Mertesacker came back from the World Cup and he admitted later, it took him till about October to really go up into because he was still, mentally you're still in Brazil, mentally you're still at the Brandenburger Tour. Mm. And I think that, that the emotional high of season two of Mandalorian was so extraordinary that to begin season three, I wonder there's a sort of slight hangover, not necessarily in the writing, but in terms of where do we go from here? And I almost wonder if they don't start the season big, and I think they should somehow have started or tried to start the season big, mm. I think. I think they should have started with one set piece, one scene, it was like, oh my God, and just like drags you into it. Actually funny, a bit like Andor starts. Yeah. Andor starts with bang. You're like, wow, you're right in it. Character building. Oh my goodness. Or you're seeing where Grogu's been. You're seeing what character or characteristics he's gained in that time. Just a five minute bang. This is who the characters are now. And I am maybe I'm being slightly critical of that slow start, but I just think it's hard to follow an act like that 
end of the second season. That's my thought anyway. Yeah, and it's been a while. Definitely, yeah. That's just that's just me nitpicking, I guess. That's just me, you know. Uh, I did a rewatch of Atlanta of the final season of Atlanta again recently. Mm. Watched it when it came out, and then did a did a rewatch recently. Just still one of the greatest final scenes, I think, in a show. Just wow, no notes, you know. But yeah, I'm really hyped for Succession. Final season of Succession coming up, just mm. because. I want to see Brian Cox just tell people to fuck off. <laughs> and I'm glad that they've announced it's the final season. So everyone's just going to be, you know, I'm expecting everything to be absolutely ramped up. It's going to be like screenshot memes galore. It's mm. going to be, it's going to be perfection. Let's have another question. Should we do Stop. a football one? Stop. Oh, it's kind of football. It's kind of TV again. So should we just go there? Alex Stop. Barilaro says, if you could do, if you could get a 10 episode Last Dance S documentary, I think we've done this question before, but let's do it again anyway, because I like revisiting questions that we've had. If you could do a Last Dance-esque documentary about one team in football history, which would you choose and which three stars, you have to name them, would you have the, uh, would you have the focus on? And Franco re- re- responded to this saying, got a feeling one of them is Milan, Van Basten, Rijkaard and Hullet. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so someone's seen somebody's mind. Why is, he, why is he taking that from us? You know, actually, it'd be pretty wild, but um, it's a cliche, but you know me, I'll say Red Star, that 1991 European Cup victory, because it's very poignant what happened after that. Mm. Like, and actually, if you want to go in and be really granular and uncomfortable, you might have the three stars being, let's say, obviously, we talk about, I talk about Savicevic all the time. But in terms of his arc, Robert Prozinetsky um, and Sinisha and Mihailovic. Mm. Because what those figures, you know, the breakup of Yugoslavia after them winning the European Cup, that in, in many ways, historically, that's one of the most interesting intersections of football and politics because you had a unified Yugoslavia from which Red Star came. This team is on this kind of victorious arc from the 87 World Youth Cup that they win. And this win in the final against Marseille is kind of the culmination of that. And then like a year later, the entire Balkans just plunge into war and Yugoslavia breaks apart. And the kind of footage you'd have, the youthful innocence contrasted with everything that came afterwards. So Mihailovic scoring free kicks and like, you know, fresh faced and joyful. And then his political affiliations later coming out and then his early death. There'd be something very, I think, kind of sort of, um, Tragic, devastating, joyful, horrifying, all of those things when people look at that team in that context. Does that make sense? Because a lot mm-hmm. of it, like a, a lot of things that might have seemed really wonderful and exuberant and boisterous and end up taking a kind of poignant and even nostalgic, but also sinister air later. Mm-hmm. So I think that actually, that, just call it Red Star, it would blow people's minds, I think with the music and the culture and all of that, I think it would be absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. Because, you know, the thing is you could start it, you could start a conversation like that. The way you'd start a monologue like that, like the, the, the opening monologue might be about politics, it might be about football, but the thing, that's the genius, I think, of, of that Red Star era. It was, um, it, it meant so much. Mm. And maybe it was a false promise, like the momentary hope of what could have been. So that would be mine, actually. Prozanetsky the Joker, Savicevic. Prozanetsky the General, 
Savitrich, the Joker, and Mihailovic, the young, brilliant left back, who would become so much more for good or ill, really. Mm. Yeah, that's mine. I don't know, man. I don't think I've got anything to match that. That's a good sorry, one. Sorry to. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say in the in the bit of a, in, bit of a monologue there. Sorry, I was going to say <laughs> in the modern era or recent era. I think actually being inside the Liverpool dressing room for last season would have been amazing because it didn't actually end up completely glorious. And there was mm. a lot went on, and it would have been. I know it's not really a last dance. Well, I mean, I suppose in a way you could kind of say it was a bit of a last dance because. Mane was gone yeah. after that. So actually, a, less, a, a last dance with a less glorious finish, you could have. And the Champions League final, all of that. Oh yeah. my God. So I have like Klopp, Mane and Salah as the three main characters. In oh it. my God, yeah. Because those are the three emotional pressure points of that clubhouse, actually. Yeah. And you also have Klopp signing the, the, the contract uh, and the talk whether Mane or Salah will extend or both. Mane ends up leaving. Salah ends up staying. Then back so at training after yeah. then back at training after the AFCON final. Yeah. And the contrast in like joy and like dejection. I mean, getting a glimpse on the inside of that, a club, what that what was being said, how people were training, what people were doing, pushing for four trophies. The then, emotional pressure yeah. of chasing City again. Yeah. Missing out on the league, missing out on the on the Champions League. Just two games, basically. Two games from eternity, basically. Yeah. Two fucking games of football. Yeah. Think about it. It's wild. Two games and two games, one save from Courtois in 15 minutes. That period where City are down and Liverpool don't score is at Wolves. And they don't mm. score. They've got what? They've got that window that if Liverpool take the lead, it changes the whole calculus. And then, of course, Sinchenko comes up, incredible assist for Rodri, and it changes everything. That is, the entire season came down to those moments. It came mm. down to that Courtois tip onto the post for Mane, and it came down to that last day when Zinchenko just went supernova. Mm -hmm. I mean, genuinely, that's a great, great idea, actually, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, of, a bit of an obvious one. But it's so. not, it's, no, it's not, it's not actually. It's one of the last things I would have thought of. But I think, because we always think about these things in terms of glory, Mm. or if not glory, then wider significance, but just doing it on, it's weird to call it failure, but yeah, narrow failure. Because it's very easy to, it's not very easy to tell the story of a victory, but it, yeah, I'm more interested in the stories than necessarily just victory. But yeah, I like that question. Yeah, love that, love that. Let's have this one from Spencer. So by the time you would have heard this, you would have seen the Barcelona played in another um, limited edition kit for the Classico. Mm. Uh, Spencer says, what do you guys think of the limited edition Barca kits, Drake and now Rosalia? Or any iteration of one-off kits? Is there a place for it? More a fan of the Rosalia than the Drake because of the musical fit, the cultural fit. I think that's actually really, really cool. Um, I like that, actually. And I, look, not to be, I'm not trying to be a Luddite about these things. I think that there is a place for really interesting musical and cultural, I mean, we, we see collaborations off the field in football, so I don't see them on the field. Like, imagine like a, you know, a great artist drawing or painting, let's say like a, a great fan of a particular club, like an Atlanta fan happens to be like a great landscape painter, and they just turn the shirt into like a great landscape. I'm well up nice. for that. 
know what I mean? Or like Sampdoria, they have like a great artist. There's a great um, lake down near Genoa. I was once there for a friend's wedding and like the sun rose, the, the moon rose out of the lake because the time of day the moon comes out of the lake and it turns dark. And just a scene like that, a scene from like a local, a local shot that everyone would know on a shirt front made by a local artist. I'm all for that kind of art. I think it's, it's awesome. Uh, so yeah, the more the better. And actually I think that I feel like Rosalia Barcelona is more the direction they should go in because that's a really cool crossover actually. Yeah, the Dre one's a little bit like... <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like First Wife. available artist on Spotify. But Rosalia... Uh, she was born just north of Barcelona, right? So. Some of them knows what they're doing. That's a great crossover. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all right with it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I quite like it. I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I prefer the Rosalia one than the... Uh... If the fit is good, that's the thing. If the fit is right. Do you know what it is? Because actually, if a club does the right, the right crossover, we'd lose our minds. Mm-hmm. So like we were just talking about, we were talking about talking heads before the, um, uh, recording, just before we yeah. started recording the, the, the documentaries coming out, the remastered ones, stop making sense. Like if talking heads did a crossover with, I don't know, like David Burns club, club that his parents supported, whatever, like we'd lose our minds. So I'm, I'm all for it in theory. I mean, a lot of football clubs stop making sense at various points through the season. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you know, and there were a lot of talking heads in punditry. So I feel like uh, that one could that one could work pretty well, actually. <laughs> love it, love it. God, what a band. Okay, um, Brady Frost says, "Whose football career would you rather have based on where they live?" I thought Hector Bellerin. I thought Hector Bellerin, but I think. Justin Cliver is pretty good. If not, which career, which player's career would you have based on where they live? So Hector's was obviously Barcelona to Arsenal, Watford on loan, uh, Seville with Betis, Barcelona again, and now Lisbon with Sporting. Uh, Justin Cliver, Ajax, Roma, Leipzig, Nice, Valencia. I'm going to double down. You know I'm going to double down and triple down on Seydorf. Okay. Okay. It's gonna be it's gonna be Sadoff, and I've said this a thousand times. I will ne- my answer will never change because at time of recording, current Sadoff was last seen giving a lecture oh, no. at Harvard. Oh my I God. mean, <laughs> you talk in about a man's like in a roll neck. I mean, Sadoff. I'm surprised was- Musa is still here to tell the tale because I generally <laughs> thought he was just gonna fucking spontaneously combust. Spirit left my body. The end of Musa Aguango. <laughs> what he lived in Amsterdam, Genoa, Madrid, Milan, and. Rio? Yep. I mean, I mean, I even know that off by heart. I mean, that, that says it all. In order as well. <laughs> like, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with that career path. It's perfect. It is pretty incredible. But on that yeah. note, Danny Chip says, if you could choose your path in professional football career in your lifetime from start to finish, what would your path trajectory be and why? What clubs, players or coaches were you wanted to play for? I feel like we've done one of these before. It's changed though. It's changed now because it the changes, clubs have changed. Yeah, yeah it's changed. Um, the thing is, if a young English player growing up in West London, for me, it would be like Chelsea Academy and then make it into the first team and a couple of years there, but then an offer from Real Madrid that turns your head. Oh, wow. Let's look at this guy. Yeah, because just go, listen, let's go big. Let's go big. Let's go big. Go to Real because... I'm oh, just casual. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's calm. Listen, it's calm. Those, those, those lot aren't getting any younger. <laughs> this is blowing my mind. It's calm. Go to Real. Listen, you're having vibes out there. Look at that dressing room. A dressing with Vinicius and Rudiger. It come, of, come on, man. Really? How can you say no to those vibes? 
swan around for a bit and then I'm not saying no to those vibes. I'm shaking my head at you because you're ridiculous. Listen, but you know my energy. You know this is yeah, my energy, no. though. This is absolutely. Of course, you'd go to the most successful club in Europe. Real Madrid. Oh my of god! All time. Listen, listen, then I'd start doing a masters in business. My spare time. Ha <laughs> ha! Like that Chiellini dude. You go to. I mean, to- what is that, is that to make sure you don't get done for tax evasion while you're at Madrid? <laughs> you go to Italy for a bit, I reckon. Oh, where? Soft spot for Milan. Just, just to play at San Siro. Doesn't matter how they'd be doing, just play at San Siro. And just do squad member vibes. Because they're, they're quite cool with having like older dudes just hang around the dressing room. Not really playing too much, just adding vibes. So yeah, Chelsea, Real Madrid, Milan, and done. That's it. That's me. That's a wild career path. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> if I was an English player coming up, I'd like to have been known for, well, you know, when people get talked about coming through the youth system and then they don't actually play for the first team, they get poached by a European club. Amazing. Yes, yes. But maybe somewhere not, not too far. So maybe actually, do you know what? Celtic. Come up at Celtic because Glasgow, great city. Stadium. You get the train down. Vibes. Unbelievable atmosphere. Iconic kit. Let's say I'm coming through now. I get to play under Ange. Ange I'd, I would love Ange and Ange would love me. I would Amazing. be Ange's Nico Cranjar throughout his entire career. Wherever oh my God, he goes, just, just traveling he with would him. sign me. Basically, <laughs> I don't know. Celtic are huge. Like maybe I'll just stay at Celtic. I'll stay thing. at Celtic until I'm like 24, and then and then I'll just go to Arsenal. Number 31. I go. To- Do you know what's interesting? When we answered this question last time, and this is a reflection of like economics and football, right? Because I was also thinking back in my mm. mind, like if I'm earning, if you're going to play a certain club, you want to be financially secure at the end of your career. And I was just thinking of like back in my mind, like cost of living, different cities, whatever. And so the, the last time we asked this question, I think we named, we both named more clubs. And I think, and this is a question about football economics as well. The way that things are now, you're better off trying to get, because you only want to have one or two big contract negotiations in your entire career. You only want to have to make the big ask twice maximum. There's so much flux in football. There's going to be at least one moment. And this is Mason Mount's you know, moment at the moment you've got to make the big ask at some point. Um, and it's weird because subconsciously, the way I chose that career path is me going, you need to make the big ask at some point. And you want to make that as little as possible. So that means fewer clubs. And that's funny because <laughs> it's weird how even a hypothetical question, you're already thinking about the kind of the surrounding context of football at the moment. Yeah, I was, I, see, if once you, when you're at Celtic, like financially, for example, you can go to basically anyone in the Premier League they pay the money right. like Brentford yeah. might pay 20 million for me from, from, from Celtic and I might end up playing for Thomas Frank for a little while like that's a move you'd love that I'd love to play for Brentford oh my god buying records together on a, su- on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> <laughs> you would you would you two my god I mean Thomas Frank swapping ambient albums that is <laughs> that is the likeliest thing that is the likeliest thing that's ever been said on this podcast <laughs> I don't think Thomas Frank is at that is into I don't think he listens to NCS. I know he, I know we think he might, but I don't think he does. Like I think he's probably, probably got an alias. <laughs> probably probably doing a two hour show I wanna, on the I really want to know what music Thomas Frank listens to because it's either gonna be stuff like he's gonna be like a massive YMO fan, right? Or he's gonna have oh he's gonna, he's gonna love status quo or something. He might he might contain multitudes. He might do. He might do. Yeah, I don't know. 
if you're going to find a Premier League manager that would say the sentence, the opening to River People by Weather Report is the greatest intro of all time, it was probably <laughs> Thomas Frank, right? <laughs> it's just the kind of thing that Thomas Frank would say. I mean, I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I'm just saying it's the kind of thing that Thomas Frank might. I think you need to carry around a record bag just in case you bump into him. I'm not carrying around a record bag. Why would you do that? I'm heavy. <laughs> I love, I love it. But yeah, so it, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll be a prospect and then I'll retire at 25. Oh man. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Couple more. Yes. Mohamed Jamal B says, is Trent Alexander-Arnold the most divisive player in football? I love him with all my heart, but I feel like people fail to see his genius. It's like Steph before he won his first title. They kept saying he won't win playing that style and he was a defensive liability, but he's proven he can win. I don't think he's that divisive, actually. I don't think he's divisive at all. At all, Ryan. No, it's it's a system thing. Like, we had the same conversation when David Beckham... uh, got overrun by Roberto Carlos and all of a sudden everyone said he couldn't dribble mm. and they called him one dimensional. This is just a conversation. It's nothing divisive. It's just noise, actually. It's just noise. You look at Trent Alexander-Arnold's trophy cabinet and that's it really. Mm. And it's not like he's been a passenger in those. He's got decisive assists in all of those campaigns. Like, I don't think it's, do you know what I mean? Like, so I don't. I, I really don't think because I want to push back on the narrative that this is a divisive player at all. He's really, really, really not. He's just not. See, I think the thing with the, when people are divisive, there has to be a fundamental. It's one of those kind of like, oh, you hate them until they play for you. Mm. That's that kind of vibe. With Trent, I think everyone wants Trent to be great. I think people love Trent, right? And therefore, because the majority of people actually love Trent. I feel like everyone's kind of rooting for him a little bit. I mean, I know that that's not the case. And in football, you cannot have a blanket uniform opinion of one player. No one is truly beloved in football because, I don't know, football Twitter, right? Unless you're Ray Wilkins. No, I mean, I'm talking about in the modern era player, but you know what I mean? Yeah, in the modern era, everyone's got haters. Yeah. Pedri and Gavi have got haters. I know. They've got big haters. How can he hate those two? I did did try to trade Gavion Wrighty's house, so I can't. Anyway, listen. um, Yeah, I know. He's (laughs) having none of it. Um, But yeah, I feel like with Trent, I I think he's he's more of a debatable player as opposed to a divisive player, if that makes sense. I think people will have their understanding or their preference of what they think a right back should do. Mm. And that forms their judgment on whether they think Trent is a good option for that. But I feel like what you said is true. Trent is a, I think, Trent isn't a plug-and-play right-back. He's a systems-dependent right-back. Mm. And I feel like in some systems, he uh, he elevates to a level beyond most other English yeah. right-backs specifically. But in some systems, not he so much. But and also, he's, ob- he's obviously a playmaking genius. He's obviously a playmaking genius. That's the thing. There's no, yeah. you know. Just let him go to Bayern and play centre midfield. That's one of the eights. Yeah, why not? Oh, God, yeah. Wow. That's a thought. Just do a player swap. Just send Kimmich to Liverpool and send Trent to Bayern and you can play a midfield three of Trent, Goretzka and Musiala. Oh my God. That's unreal. Someone like that is probably his final nation as well. Actually. He's going to end up playing for Barcelona, Trent, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If Barcelona fix, fix up and get their shit yeah. together, he would have played, he would have, he would have signed for Barcelona like 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Yeah. 
He'd be the perfect player to go to Barcelona. The natural placement. I mean, not being funny, but... Danny um, Alves, yeah. Be, well, yeah. If we're going to go there, if we're going to go there, oh, like, yeah. leaves too much space in behind. Mm. Danny did that quite a lot. He did. I mean, it was, it was hard to get to, but he left the space there still. Anyway, that's my thoughts. We love Trent. We do. All right, let's finish on... Finish on this one. From Aaron Durand, who says... Ah, a man. Play a game of Premier League managerial musical chairs. No club keeps the same boss. Instead, managers are assigned to clubs based on their suitability, tactically, regionally, fashionably, or otherwise. Be creative. All right, we're not doing the whole league. We'll do some, though. We'll do some fun ones. Pep to Fulham. Sorry. Sorry. You're going in first with Pep to Fulham. Yes. All right. Pep to Fulham. Okay, convince me. Because, spoiler alert, I'm not convinced. Why not? Just because of what he'd bring from those players. If you see what Marco Silva's done, unbelievable, of course. Pep would bring even more goals from Palinia. I just think, I don't know, I just think that you don't think he could coach that team. I mean, Pep can coach any team, but I just don't think, no, no. That doesn't interest you, just seeing that in action? Seeing what he'd do with them? No, I'd like to see Pep at, um, like if I was going to see Pep somewhere, I'd like to see him at like Southampton. Or something like that. I mean, the obvious, actually, do you know what? The really obvious one is just Arteta to City and Pep to Arsenal. Oh God, yeah. Just a straight swap for those two. Would you notice the difference? <laughs> no, you would. You, um, would. you would. You would. How about the Klopp swap? Where, do, where does Klopp go to? Oh. To Zerbi. <gasps> <laughs> now we're talking. Klopp at Brighton to Zerbi at Liverpool. Now that. Oh my God. Yeah. Hook that to your veins. <laughs> so we're we just doing this. Pep, are we just doing straight swaps? Straight I mean, swaps is actually super fun. I like dude, that. So Arteta, Arteta to, so we're doing Arteta to City, Pep to Arsenal. Are we just doing that? Yeah, yeah. Are yeah. we being silly? Are we just let's, doing let's, that? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So do they have to be next to each other in the league? Because this is working out perfect. Liverpool, no, no. Brighton. Like, so Deserby to Liverpool. Deserby to Liverpool. To Brighton. <laughs> Knowing what we know now. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Thomas Frank to Chelsea, Graham Potter to Brentford. I like that very much. I know you do. And they don't have far to move either. Yeah. Thomas Frank is right there. <laughs> they both um, do a great job, actually. They both do a great job. Oh my God, dude. Eddie Howe to Spurs, Conte to Newcastle. Oh my goodness, the intensity. There's no way Conte's moving that far north. Still though, still, still, still. Conte in Newcastle. <laughs> I think he'd probably have more fun. I think actually it would be better because the uh, expectation's lower. The expectation's lower, I think. Um, and the energy he'd bring to it. Also, manager like that, I think that Newcastle are going to end up with, not that Eddie Howe's not a brilliant coach, he is, but they're going to end up with a kind of a, a famous manager at some point, like a really big name manager at some point. I think mm. that's going to happen. And that's not trying to knock Howe at all. It's more like they're going to end up with one of like three or four players, man, three or four managers that are super famous, I think. Mm. Ooh. Love this question. Maybe we should have made them like, they have to go to the bottom of the league. You have to swap. Well, no, because these are quite good fits though, aren't they? These are good, these are good, these are good stylistic fits. What about Yulan Lopetegui to Manchester United and Eric Den Haag to Wolves? <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what? No, no, no. Do you know what? Actually with that, do you know what? Funny go enough. On. Go on. Ten Hag gets goals out of that Wolves team. I think really? he gets goals. Yeah, yeah I, th I think he yeah, gets sure. goals. I think you're right. I think he makes them, I think he gets them to score. He's just Why like, Why are we oh. doing this to Manchester United though, just after they're getting good? 
Well, no, because it's a thought experiment, isn't it? I mean, this isn't for real, so please don't. Please yeah, don't, leave don't, our, don't come for us. Yeah. And if you do come for us, please at Ryan on Twitter. <laughs> 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 what, one, more, th- one, more, one more swap in there. One, 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 one more good one. One more good one. Moyes, maybe. Where does Moyes go? Moyes to Leicester. Oh. Oh. The Brodge to West Ham. That actually works. That's that works way. really well. I think I found my true calling. I think you have. I think you have. Moyes to Leicester with their kind of counter-attacking players. And they need, they need, they need a Rogers type manager actually play on the front foot. They need that. I know look, his star has dimmed a bit. Listen but. to this. Look, Leicester has scored 13 more goals than West Ham and they've conceded 12 more. Balances out. It does. I love that. Me too. It's your gift, Ryan. You're welcome. Managerial swaps. Fake trades and managerial swaps. Tormenting <laughs> Ian Wright with fake trades. <laughs> Poor Ian. <laughs> Poor Ian. Um, all right. I like, I like, yeah, let's, let's wrap on that question. Let's I like it. that. Great work. Yeah, they, they were fun. I hope you and everyone enjoyed that little mailbag. Yeah, thanks for sending them in, everyone. Yeah, thanks for sending them in. Always and, appreciate um, the questions. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, and we hope... Moose is having fun because he's not actually not here anymore. At this moment in time, he's not talking to me. I'm, you know what I'm going to do? We're not falling out. He's just somewhere else. <laughs> All right, everyone. Hope everyone, stays, everyone is staying safe, staying well. Don't forget to check Wright's house on Tuesday. Uh, Stadio will be back on Thursday and Wright's house on Friday with Carl and I. Uh, until then, don't forget to check the Stadio Outro's place on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing out on The Jungle Mix of Dreaming by Ashai. Uh, anything you want to add, Moose Hawkonga? Nothing further. All right, well, I'll pretend to see you Thursday. <laughs> I, won't, I won't see you then. <laughs> Much love, everyone. See you Thursday.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.